Greetings, my excellent friend. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. into wild stallions i'm jay catch he's sean walker and as we always start off sean strange things are afoot in the aaf yeah jake thanks for having me back once again on the internet's number one rated bill and ted's excellent adventure tribute pod and another alliance of american football podcast we don't like get it. into those rankings i like it that's exactly what we are and we like to meld the two we're we're both fans of the cult classic bill and ted's excellent adventure and yeah, we figured it was a perfect segue into talking about the Alliance of American Football. My man, Socrates. Socrates, yes, sir. <laughs> All right, Sean. Uh, it is week five in the Alliance. Week five. We've made it. We halfway. should have like a special sound for week five. Uh, something about being halfway done. Five something about wa- maybe rings. maybe something about walking five thousand miles. Four calling birds. Three French. <laughs> Not Christmas. <laughs> Come on, five gold this rings. Is, this is a Bill and Ted tribute pod, not a Christmas carol. That was the pod. first thing that came to my mind. We said we needed sound for that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, I guess we should probably preview uh, the recap episode we're going to have coming up early next week. We're going to do our mid-season awards for the Alliance. We are. We're at the midway point, so we'll hand we've out got, We've got those somewhat set in stone, yeah. but not quite. We'll give them this weekend to kind of ruminate and marinate. And exactly. There's a chance for teams to move up, players to move up and down and in, in how those lay out. But yeah, yeah, we wanted to give it one more week and we'll do that. But Sean, as we always do on our preview editions of the podcast, of course, we cover the Salt Lake Stallions as we are based right here at the foot of the Wasatch Mountains where the Stallions are based and they are on the road this weekend their first meeting all time with the San Diego Fleet the game will be played at I believe now what's called San Diego County Credit Union Stadium Jack Murphy Stadium it's Jack Murphy Stadium it's still Jack Murphy Stadium if you're not going to call it Jack Murphy it's Qualcomm I'm not going. It's Jack Murphy. I'm not stadium. calling it SDCCU Stadium. Sorry, not happening. On the campus of San Diego State West. Absolutely, that's exactly what it is. Uh, this is actually going to be an interesting matchup, I think, Sean. I like it. Uh, San Diego started out the year. We of course saw Mike Berkovici just absolutely get obliterated in the first game ever. <laughs> the number the one Alliance. highlight of the opening week of the Alliance of American Football. And. Uh, as every good story does, it comes around full circle, Sean, and it looks like Mark Berkovici is going to be starting against the Salt Lake Stallions this week after Berko. after um, Philip Nelson got hurt in the in the Fleet's last game. So Berko is back in the saddle. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that an offensive line that gave way what might be the hit of the week, nay hit of the season, nay hit of the year in the Alliance of American Football hit of the history of the league yeah you're telling me that that same offensive line has now seen another quarterback go down with an injury that's exactly what i'm telling i'm you. shocked jacob hatch <laughs> i am shocked 
Shocked, well, I say. I'm glad you're shocked because that's exactly what it's going to be. Mike Berkovich expected to start for the fleet Saturday in this game against the Salt Lake Stallions. Game time is set for 6 p.m. Mountain Time. It will be televised nationally on the NFL Network, so another primetime TV spot for the Stallions. But I think, Sean, as you said on our recap episode earlier this week, you guaranteed, your hot take was, there's going to be better weather in San Diego than we had in Salt Lake this past week. Although I did, uh, to be fair... Uh, I did wake up this beautiful Friday morning, and it was raining around my house, so there might be some rain also. Southern um, California in San Diego inundated this yeah, year. I'm, yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing there might be some rain in this in the forecast, but I will guarantee. <laughs> indeed, I will guarantee. Shout out to our friends at X-Frame Radio at MLSsoccer.com. I will guarantee that San Diego does not get the same amount of snow as Salt Lake and Orlando got last week. Wow. Guaranteed. Wow, that's a bold take. <laughs> Rubber stamp of approval. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, so... This, this is what y'all turn, tune into this podcast for. This is what they come for, absolutely. All you right. know what else I'm going to guarantee, though? What's that? I'm going to guarantee that uh, San Diego, heading into this matchup, has the leading rusher in the Alliance of American Football. That's because they do. They do, indeed. His name's Jaquan Gardner. He's got 287 yards rushing on the year. And with a team that's had as much, uh, dare we say, quarterback turnover as the San Diego Fleet, it really makes a whole lot of sense to just try to rely on that ground game, ground and pound, and and do what you do. And Jake, I, I got to admit, with the with a game plan like that, that 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 Mike Martz has with the San Diego Fleet, and we all know how how Dennis Erickson likes to run, yes, run the ball both with the Stallions and in his other stops. Uh, this game might be over in ninety minutes. It could, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, you said Jaquan Gardner has the 287 yards to lead the Alliance. Terrell Watson, his teammate, has 175 on the year. So like you said, Sean, these are two teams that are going to be running the ball at each other. But for all of the turnover that the fleet have had at quarterback, they do have three pretty prolific pass catchers. And I'm speaking of Dantes Ford. He leads the team with 159 yards on the year. Former San Diego State standout Gavin Escobar of course was a draft pick, I believe, of the Dallas Cowboys. He plays tight end for the fleet. He's the second leading receiver on this team with 144 receiving yards. And then former Colorado stud Nelson Spruce. A great name, a perfect name for a guy who went to school in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado, surrounded by a bunch of spruce. Well, he's third on this team with 131 yards receiving. So for all of the turnover that the fleet have had, like you said, Sean, at the quarterback position, this has been a pretty prolific offense, all things considered. Yeah, if they, I mean, if they can find a steady and stable quarterback, they've got a lot of guys who can catch that football. Mm-hmm. But again, I get the feeling that this is a fleet team um, that's going to uh, pass to set up the run. More yes, often than not, absolutely. Um, they like to run the ball. They really push it hard on the inside, um, and I expect nothing less when they see that Salt Lake front seven as well, led by your league leading sack artist, Carter Schultz. Hopefully, his ankle is feeling better this week. We saw. I heard a hot tip. What's that? You ready for the breaking news? Is Play he... that breaking news sound. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I heard that Carter Schultz is back in practice. So Good. How much he's back, still yet to be determined. Um, but he is getting back. He's getting healthier. And uh, all signs point to him being able to play against San Diego. I don't know if he'll start. I don't know how much time he'll play. 
but things are looking really good for Carter Schultz's ankle. Well, he played against Orlando, and his ineffectiveness really, I think, hampered what played so like, in air quotes. That's a good point. Yeah, air quotes, absolutely. Yeah, but it really did. It, it, his his inability and the inability of Salt Lake to get pressure on Orlando, especially in the second half last week, really affected that defense. So if he's able to go, is able to get pressure on the Fleet's quarterbacks, whoever it ends up being, if it isn't Berkovici or Alex Ross or Philip Nelson. Getting pressure on the quarterback is a must for the Salt Lake Stallions team. And another must, Sean, and this will bring us to our interview, I think, that we're going to play. We're going to catch up. We had a chance, both of us, to be part of Dennis Erickson's weekly press conference earlier this week. And that is that Salt Lake starts, needs to start generating big plays. Yeah, yes, yes, they do, because this is this is a team that uh, is among the lowest in the league in overall yards. Mm-hmm. Um, they're among the lowest in, in the league in yards per play. Yep. And obviously, they've had a little bit of a quarterback shuffle themselves, but it looks like Josh Woodrum is back, fully healthy, ready and ring to go, and he's only getting better. He mm-hmm. does have a nice upper trajectory yes. on his game right now. Um, but it's that chunk yardage. It's that, that explosiveness. Uh, that you'd like to see out of the Stallions a little bit more, um, starting with guys like Demorne Pearsonell, etc. Um, you you want to see a little bit more oomph, a little more, a little bit more maybe of like what they saw in a certain touchdown run against Orlando yeah. last week. Yeah, Joel Bonio, his touchdown run was awesome. It was, I think it was a 14 yarder that he scored on. So they absolutely need to do that. Um, and that was not lost on Dennis Erickson. We'll get to that interview here in a minute. But I also had a chance to talk with another Stallions player. Um, and he, he the first thing he out of his mouth when I talked to him was, we need to start generating more offense. We need to score points. He's, he plays defense for the Stallions, and his exact words were, we held the leads, the league's best offense to 20 points. We should be able to win some of these games. He said, we just need to get the offense going. So without further ado, Sean, let's get to it. Here is Dennis Erickson. Of course, he starts out talking about facing San Diego, but then he gets to the, he makes his comments, and he's very explicit and very clear that they need to start generating big plays and start scoring points in bunches. So here you go. Salt Lake Stallions head coach Dennis Erickson speaking with the media earlier this week. So after taking a look at the tape and everything, you come away from last week's game kind of feeling the same way that you did right after it? Or? Well, yeah. You know, we that was our probably our worst effort on defense. And, uh, you know, we still held, held them at 20 points, but it was more about getting off the field in the second half. You know, we had opportunities to get pretty, to get pretty good field position, and we weren't able to do that. And then... Uh, you know, the quarterback and 12, their receiver, kind of took it over at the end and made some big plays. So, now they're a good football team, and they – we didn't – you know, I look at the beginning of the game and, you know, fourth and one, drove it all the way down the field. I'm controlling the ball. Don't make it on fourth and one. Obviously, that was critical. But uh, – and in the second half, they just – you know, we moved the ball pretty good, and uh, we just had trouble slowing them down in the second half. And it, it gives credit to them. And – and I, but you know the quarter, their quarterback, their receiver, kind of was the difference in the football game. With this league, the coaches, you got Mike Marks this week who you're facing from San Diego. Anyway, you guys got a pretty good. I think you guys all have connections to each other just oh, yeah. in the pro sure. college game. Yeah. How is that facing off against guys you've known for a long time? Oh, it's fine. It's really fun. I mean, it's uh, yeah. We competed. Mike, Mike and I've been good friends since. Jeez, well, I coached with Jim Sweeney at Fresno State back in the 70s, okay. and uh, he was uh, he came in when Coach Sweeney went to the, to the Raiders, 
and uh, Bob Tia became the coach. So that Mike was there, and I, I was at San Jose State then. So, but I've known Mike since whenever that was. I can't even. And obviously, we we really haven't played against each other a lot, some, but not a lot, you know, as head coaches. Yeah. But uh, obviously, been to the Super Bowl a time or two. He's a great coach, and you know, it's interesting in the guys that you see in this league, and I think that's why the league is really, really good, and it's uh, great coaching. I think it's a matter. Like any place, whoever has the best player is probably going to win. And uh, but everything's kind of close. So it'll be it'll be fun to play against Mike down there. The the Western Conference or Western Division, what? whatever the the name is they're using for it, the West right now. It's, you got four teams that are so close oh, together. Yeah. It feels like every week almost things can change yeah. right away. It really can, you know. And you know, there's two from that division that go to the playoffs, and, and you know basically that's all. What, that's what every team wants to do. And you know, in our division, I mean, there's. Three of them are two and two, and one we're one and three, so we're a game back, and so a lot of things can happen in the next six weeks. So you better not lay back on your laurels, because as you've seen, some other teams that had not won a game one, you know, and they're as good as anybody else. So you better play good every week. It's a heck of a challenge. It really is. What kind of stands out about the San Diego team? What kind of immediately just jumps off the page? Well, they're a very good running team. They got an outstanding running back. Uh, you know, they're switching quarterbacks. They're going to Mike Berkovicia. Uh, their other quarterback got hurt. Uh, Mike happened to – I recruited Mike. He played for me at Arizona State, so I know Mike quite well. So yeah. it's kind of coincidence. He started the first game, and now there's – because of an injury, he's starting against, against his old coach. So, you know, there's always something, you know. When you're my age, there's always something. You know? so, but uh, they've got a good football team. Mike does a great job. And, and they're running the ball a little bit more than he normally does in his system. So, you know, he had the greatest team on turf or whatever they called that thing. And they had all – they had Kurt Warner. So that was a pretty good deal. I, I won't ask you for strategy tips or anything like that, obviously, but is Parco <laughs> kind of the same guy as when, Yeah, we, we are. You know, team? we've uh, – uh, you know, we've had some injuries, so we're going to have to make a few changes. But, yeah, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to get the ball down the field more. You know, we've you know, we got, we got to throw the ball up the yard and uh, get some big plays, help us out on offense. Is that something you've been hoping to see through these first few weeks, or is that uh, something you've been working on to add? We're working it on it, but it's, it's something we have in our offense. we just got to do it. You know, okay. we got in the situation to do it. I mean, everybody has it. we just got to we just got to call it. I mean, it's up to me to make sure that we get that done. So, But we got to get we got to throw it up the field a little bit more than we have. It's hard driving 70, 80 yards all the time. So. We hear that term, especially in the college game, this whole chunk yardage. Yeah. Is that the same thing at this level? Yeah, call it whatever you want. But, yeah, you got to make big plays. you got to have chunk yardage. Big plays more than 30 yards or 20 yards, whatever. I think it's 15, and they count as a big play in the passing game. 10 in the running game, I think, is what the stats are. So we've got to get more of that. We're last in the league in that. So, obviously, when you look at that stat, we got to get better at it. You mentioned defensive challenges. Fixing those challenges, is it more of like a fundamental thing where it's a work in progress? Or I th- I think, well, I think, it's, I think a lot of it was technique. I think there were some te- technique issues, you know, that uh, that we didn't execute like we should have on defense. Uh, that's part of it. And part of it, really a lot of those plays, like I said, uh, you know, the number 12 had 100 and some yards. And uh, he made four or five third down or catches that kept drives going that kept them on the field for a long time so uh so it's the first time we saw him and uh, you know obviously you need to try to double a guy like that you know try to take him out of the game if you can what's it like uh, week to week playing against coaches and, and players that you're so familiar with it's fun that's why i'm doing this it's uh 
you know, it's not like we're going to the Super Bowl. You know, I'm in this business to to help these young men get better and possibly have a chance to go to the NFL. But even more than that is to develop uh, teamwork and stuff within this group. And, and uh, so to me, it's, to me, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's not do or die like some places in this world. So There you go, Dennis Erickson and Sean. As I said right before he played that, he was very clear about what he needs to see out of his offense. And you, you can tell he is taking it upon himself to make it very clear to his team that, yes, we need to start generating a lot more chunk yardage. Yeah, and, and I don't think that this is lost on the players either. I mean, I think there are a lot of players that kind of feel the same way, whether they're going to say it publicly or not. I mean, this is a Stallions team that realistically, they, they've got one of the best, one of, if not the best defenses in the league. I mean, right up there with teams like Birmingham. Absolutely. Um, certainly. I, I, but it's also a team that averages just 16.3 points per game. They've scored 65 points through almost the first half of the season. Um, that I mean, that's just... Plain and simple, that's not good enough. You heard it out of Dennis Erickson's mouth. Um, you've heard it out of a couple of players kind of allude to it in the past. Like I said, I don't know how many of them are going to say it publicly, but but maybe some of them will, some of them won't. Um, but there's just there's something about this offense that has been very – it's been a very slow burn. And, again, it's yes. getting better. Like, you mm-hmm. can see it clicking. You can see it starting to gel. The you can pointing, see Josh Woodrum really, really starting to take yeah. command of the offense. The arrow's pointing up. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I don't want to denigrate what, what they're doing so far, but it has been a very slow burn. It's been, uh, dare I say, hashtag Isa Rice glacial in the way that it moves. It's been a glacial pace, huh? I think you're right. And, I, I, and one thing, and Sean, this is just me as a football fan that's watched this team, and I don't have Dennis Erickson's ear. I don't have Tim Lapineau's ear, the two coaches that kind of control the offense for, this, for the Stallions. <laughs> Thank goodness for both our sakes. I know. It, it would be very bad. But yeah. the one thing, if I did have their ears, I would recommend to them, hey, feel free to mix it up. You don't need to huddle every time. Feel free to go at a pace a little bit. Do what Arizona has done earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Get some of that college hurry up type of stuff. Play in that four minute and two minute offense style every so often. Shake it up. It wears out the defense. And guess what? It does allow you allow your guys to get in a little more of a rhythm in terms of running plays very quickly rather than 20 seconds between plays. Then we go. Yeah, and I mean, this is this is an offense that... that you know, Brandon Oliver and Joel Bonio have been leading the attack in terms of the rushing attack, but uh-huh. they've got some depth in the run game. So they don't necessarily. I mean, if you're worried about if you if you want to kind of huddle up and and develop a cadence and and take a breath and that sort of thing, and you're worried about about wearing out your running backs, well, you've got some depth. Like you've built some depth. You don't always need to go two back formation. You can swap in and out. Um, you've even got guys like Demorne Pearsonell, who's who's taken a a couple of snaps out of the. Gym jet sweep that you can yes, do some exactly, backfield yeah. trickeration um, in there. You know, you, you don't need to be married to sort of the same ground and pound concept every time, which involves, yeah, like you said, which involves that full huddle that and that full kind of slow synchronization. Maybe, yeah, so, you, try to, maybe you try to get out to a faster start. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just want to see them hopefully t- um, unshackle this offense a little bit in that in that regard and Good let, word. let these guys go out and play a little more free and loose. And we'll see what happens on Saturday night, but it will be very interesting to see 
yeah, ultimately what happens. I think the Fleet is a good team to try this against. Uh, San Diego, we've talked a lot about their offense. In terms of defense, they've got some decent players out there. They've got three players that have two or more sacks on the year, led by Shakir Soto's two and a half sacks. Demontre Moore's got two, and Alex Barrett has two. So they get after the get after the quarterback. But I still think you have an opportunity here if you're Salt Lake, to go out and hopefully have a good showing down there at Jack Murphy. Yeah, and where, and where this fleet defense has really shined has been in that secondary, really limiting a lot of high-profile and prolific passers. Guys like Ryan Moeller, uh, one of the top DBs in the league with two interceptions on the season, uh, you know that's been pretty big. So if you can take the ball, if you can get the ball on offense for the Stallions and kind of keep it away from that secondary and just pick up those yeah. sort of rushing mm-hmm. chunk yardage plays, I think... I think the I think San Diego is going to be a little bit susceptible to that, and you're and you're minimizing kind of the strength of their defense in yeah. a lot of ways. Well, yeah, and so through four games, uh, San Diego has 12 sacks. That's an average of four sacks per game. So it's going to be very important for Salt Lake's offensive line. Which, in my opinion, Sean, I think Salt Lake's offensive line is among the best, if not the best, in the league, just in terms of overall talent and ability. They've had some injuries that have hit them of late that have affected them, but. If they can protect Josh Woodrum, they can open holes for the, for this running attack. I think this could be a good week for Salt Lake to bust out on offense, but we'll see what happens. All right, Sean, let's step aside here. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side. There are three other games in the Alliance this weekend, and some big news. Another national television partner is picking up more games because guess what? People apparently like the product that's on the field. Americans like football. They do like football. We'll get to that next right here on Wild Stallions. are locked on to Wild Stallions, your podcast focus on the Salt Lake Stallions and the Alliance of American Football. What? Don't look at me like that. I have other podcasts I do that use that terminology. I was mixing it in here, so don't look at me like that. I'm Jay Catch. I look, I look forward to the launch of the Locked on the AAF podcast network from well, your good friend. We're going to work on that. We're going to work on that. Hey. And guess what? You know who it's going to be when it launches, Sean? It's going to be you and I. <laughs> so get ready. Hey, I'm all in favor. All right, Sean. So three other games in the Alliance this weekend. I mentioned right before the break there that another national television partner who's been locked in with what's going on in the Alliance has actually signed up for two more games this season, and one of those games is this weekend, and that is Orlando at Birmingham. It's the precursor to the Salt Lake-San Diego matchup on NFL Network, and it's going to be broadcast on TNT. This was originally set to be on Turner Network's um, streaming service, Bleacher Report Live, but... Through four weeks, the Alliance's television numbers have been strong enough that TNT said, yeah, we'll sign up, we'll broadcast that, no problem, let's go. Yeah, and, it, and it's really easy to flex out a game if you don't have another quote-unquote traditional television partner mm-hmm. to worry yes. about. Uh, Bleacher Report Live, obviously, it's a fantastic service. All the games through the AAF are streamed there for free when they're on that mm-hmm. BR Live. Yeah, But TNT can come in, which owns BR Live, and very easily say, hey, let's 
you know, we can move stuff around or reflecting the actual yeah. TV. Yeah. Or, or if NFL network wants to come in, it's yeah. very easy to kind of make that move. And I'm sure there's some money involved somewhere under the table. I'm not a business guy, so don't ask me about that, but, but, uh, it is very easy to flex out some of these games that are kind of streaming only, if you will. Yeah. Well, and that's, that, that's the interesting part about it is, um, they moved it to TNT. It'll be the, so there's two games in the regular season that have been picked up for TNT and both of them involve Orlando. So they play Orlando this week on Saturday, two weeks out, Orlando at Atlanta. So these are going to be both Eastern Division matchups. It's close to home for Turner Network, which is based in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But the good news is, is the television draw has been strong enough that TNT is like, yes, we want to put these on TV. Let's do it. Weird. You're telling me that a team like Orlando with the most explosive offense in the league that averages 30 points per game might be TV friendly? Mm, shocking, I know. I'm shocked. No, it, I'm but, shocked, Jake. But I think it speaks to just the overall strength of this league early on in their in their history and their existence and I think that's a good sign for the league going forward so yeah Orlando at Birmingham will be on TNT at 12 o'clock mountain time it's 2 o'clock eastern on Saturday and this is strength versus strength once again Sean you mentioned Orlando the most prolific offense in the league and Birmingham who has one of if not the best defense in this league going strength on strength and this should be an interesting matchup yeah seven sacks five interceptions for the iron uh both tops in the league it, it's very much a strength on strength i mean it's it's this is a birmingham team that that's not very prolific offensively but where they lack on offense they more than make up for on defense as salt lake fans found out a couple weeks ago when they tried to go uh to birmingham and uh, and the iron won by scoring a grand total of i think 12 points that game so it's not super sexy for lack of a better term but they're getting results they lost their first game of the year just a week ago um but we'll see if that's a little more than a hiccup going forward against a very very good birmingham team that you and i jake uh there are a couple players yeah. On this Apollo squad. And I think we're going to be talking about a few of them next week when we hand out our midseason awards. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I think one of them is Garrett Gilbert. That guy is going to be on an NFL roster before too long, and he's had a great showing so far. But yeah, we'll do that on our next edition of the show, those midseason awards. 61% passer, 1,071 yards, six touchdowns. Here's the kicker. How many interceptions do you think Garrett Gilbert has thrown? Zero. Zero interceptions. Mm-hmm. One thousand yards passing, six touchdowns with zero interceptions. And I won't lie, I had that pulled up right here, and I just saw that. So. That's impressive. <laughs> That's impressive. It is. So, Sean, uh, not Jake Hatch cheating to my question, but yeah. what Garrett Gilbert has done. All right, Sean. Uh, so I'm picking Orlando in this game, even though it's a road game. It's going to be at Legion Field. I think Orlando wins it. I think that Birmingham will give them everything they can handle, but Orlando has proven, well, not proven, they have shown nothing to me that makes me think that they're going to lose. Yeah, I said it last week when Salt Lake was getting ready to host the Apollos. It's really hard to think about stopping Orlando. You really, when you're when you're a defensive coordinator trying to attack this offense, you really just think about slowing them down. I think Birmingham's going to be able to slow them down. I yeah. really do. I think they're going to be able to slow them down a lot. I could see this being a very low-scoring game, especially going into the fourth quarter. But I think ultimately the Apollos just have they've, – they've got too much attack, too many weapons, uh, too much. They'll, they'll eventually find a way to pull away from the iron. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the points are, what the point spread is on this, but take the un- – Take the under. Yes, absolutely. Wherever it goes. Yeah. I don't see a lot of points, but I think Orlando's got just enough to clip the iron. All right, Sean, let's talk about these Sunday games here. Um, 
if you were talking to me last week about this upcoming this matchup we're going to talk about right now, I would call it the pillow fight of the week. But both of them are coming off wins, and that is the Memphis Express. Somebody's going to get two at the Atlanta Legends. Somebody's going to have a win streak, Sean. Somebody's going to win two in a row. Memphis is on the road at Atlanta, and based on last week's results, I don't even know what to expect from these two teams. Well, here we go. Let's look at averages for a quick second. Okay. we got a Memphis team coming in averaging 15.3 points per game, but somehow they picked up their first win of the week um, last week. And then you've got an Atlanta team averaging 11 points per game. 11. 1-1.0 points per game and yet they're coming in looking for their own winning streak after knocking off Arizona in somewhat surprising fashion 14 yep. to 11 a week ago um, I said take the under on the last game take the very under whatever it is on this game um, somebody's probably going to win this one there can be ties in the Alliance yes. of American Football um, in the regular season yeah. yeah but we haven't seen one yet I don't think we're going to see one here whoever wins and I'll let you go first in picking this game Jake but whoever wins definitely take the under on this one uh, I'm going to roll with Zach Bettenberger and the Express oh that's man me. that's exactly what I was going to say I just I don't feel like Atlanta I, I feel like it was more of a fluke They'll, they'll probably prove me wrong because I have been down on them all year, but we'll see what happens. No, it's really hard to doubt Zach Mettenberger. I, I think Memphis has found their starting quarterback. Um, a certain former Memphis quarterback could maybe be pronounced as a bust in two leagues now. Is that too much to say? No. He's I, been pretty bustable. You're speaking of Christian Hackenberg. He's been pretty bustable. Sorry, Hack. Love you to death, but uh, it's he's, been, he's been pretty bustable. Um so, so you're rolling with the hack train, or not the hack train, the Mettenberger train, yep, uh, and the Express, no pun intended there. Um, I'm also going to roll with a certain quarterback who burst on the scene last week and put up surprising numbers um, and will uh, now be making his uh, first start at home, I believe. And that's former Georgia star Aaron Murray. Was, Give me the legends. I was waiting for it. Give me the legends. And we were talking about that. I'm like, well, yeah, it's okay, Aaron Murray. All right, all right, there we go. Going with the legends. That game will be at 4 o'clock Eastern time on CBS Sports Network, 2 o'clock Mountain Time here locally in Utah. The final game of the weekend, Sean, will feature another Western Division showdown as the San Antonio Commanders travel to the Arizona Hotshots. Man, I don't even know what to make of Arizona all of a sudden. Back-to-back losses here. They just have seemingly fallen off after a very strong start. Um, San Antonio comes in with some with some momentum on their side. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> this is similar to this whole Memphis Atlanta game, Sean. I'm just not sure which way to go quite yet. Yeah, San Antonio comes in with momentum on their side, and that's mostly because they've got Wood on their side, aka Logan Wood's side, uh, their starting quarterback. But he didn't have a good game last week. <laughs> That's debatable. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so so both of these teams come in stumbling a lot. And if you had asked me two weeks ago how this matchup was going to sh- was going to shape up, I would have taken the hot shots in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely, Arizona yeah. really exploded on the gate. I mean, they they were they were just on fire. Again, no pun intended. Sorry. Um, out of the gate, jumping out of that two and zero start, they looked like they were clicking. Your boy, the Wolford Wagon. Uh, was looking like he could be possibly the uh, the best quarterback in the league. Now, all of a sudden, four weeks in, he's been benched while completing 60% of his passes for 780 yards, eight touchdowns, and three picks. Three picks in four games. Sorry, Wolford. Um, 
I don't know if Trevor Knight's the answer. I don't think here, he though. is. I'm, I'm not sure that Trevor Knight's the answer. Hey, Rick Neuheisel, word of advice, put the Wolford wagon back in. <laughs> or, that, go, or go sign Johnny Menzel. Well, we, we need to get to that, Sean. There were some comments this week from well, we'll Bill We'll get to Pullian. that in a second. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. We'll talk First, about that. First, some picks, though. Okay. I'm rolling with Logan Woodside and the San Antonio Commanders here. Okay. I, I like that pick. I respect that pick. But I think this week Arizona gets back on the back back on the winning winning side of things. So we disagree. We disagree. Yes, we do. I'm going to go with Arizona we here. Need, we need somebody on the AAF Reddit to like track our picks or something. Let us know who's actually <laughs> winning. Should. The Arizona hot shots, man. I I really don't think Trevor Knight is your long term answer, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to roll with the hot shots at home this week, and that'll be at eight o'clock Eastern time start on NFL Network Sunday evening, six o'clock Mountain time here locally along the Wasatch Front. So. Busy weekend ahead, as it always is with the Alliance, Sean. All eight teams in action. It's going to be an exciting weekend. I'm excited to see how it all goes. You and I um, both have different picks on at least two of these games, so we're inter- I'm interested to see how we both perform over the weekend. But I mentioned, Sean, there were some comments from Bill Polian and also Daryl Moose Johnston, who is the GM of the San Antonio Commanders, who conveniently own the rights to one Johnny Manziel. And they made those comments earlier this week on a press conference. Our good friend, a good friend of the podcast, Ben Kirchival, was on that podcast, tweeted out some notes on that. I wanted to talk to you about that next, Sean, so we'll take a time out here and come back. This is The Wild Stallions. Final segment on today's edition of Wild Stallions. J-Cat, Sean Walker alongside you for the ride here. And Sean, the Alliance decided they're going to start doing weekly um, press conferences with uh, big dogs in the league. Speaking this week, Bill Polian was on a press conference that the media was invited to sit in on. Alongside San Antonio Commanders, Daryl Moose Johnston, the Dallas Cowboys legend himself. And Sean, you can't tell me it's not a coincidence the very week that Johnny Manziel is cut loose in the Canadian Football League that the team, the GM of the team that has his allocation rights happens to end up on a press conference. Yeah, because naturally they announced the San Antonio Commanders announced the signing of one Johnny Q football. They should former Heisman Trophy winner. They right? should make it happen right away. Right? They should. They 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 did announce that, right? No. 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 Well, why not, Jake? I don't know. That's the that's the question I think a lot of people have, and uh, so Bill Polian. Uh, this is a quote Ben Kirchival, who's a good friend of the podcast. He's been on the show before. This was the quote. Uh, it says uh, we had well, it was not necessarily a direct quote, but it's just a, it's a summary of what he said. We had feelers out to people close to him. Speaking of Johnny Manziel, we're in the process of going through due diligence. I would say it's fifty percent done. We don't intend to comment on anything on Johnny personally for reasons that are legally obvious. They need this guy in the league, Sean. He brings eyeballs, plain and simple. I know that the I know that the early returns on the television numbers have been good. You get Johnny Manziel in this league, I think you're going to get people that are going to sit a little more straight up in their seat and say, "Hold up, he's playing quarterback now. I need to check it, check this out." I I would I would um, caution that statement saying 
if if the Alliance of American Football were to bring in a guy like Johnny Manziel or or Johnny Manziel himself, we'll, we'll say Johnny Manziel himself into this league, then you are going to maybe attract a few more football fans, okay. college football fans, NFL fans, even CFL fans. They're going to want to see what Johnny Football's next step is, um, if it yeah. is the Alliance of American Football. I would, however, caution, though, that I think this could be, and, and this is probably why the commanders are taking their time, certainly, and why the Alliance of American Football is taking his time, deciding whether or not to sign this guy. Um, this could be a potential PR disaster Fair. If, if Johnny Manziel signs with the AAF. Um, the dude can play. He's really good. Heisman Trophy winner, uh, first-round NFL draft pick. Obviously flamed out with the Browns. Now he's flamed out with the Alouettes. And we don't know um, exactly what the details are on that. Nobody's yeah, saying anything. And that's and that I think is the number one detail that needs to be pegged down okay. from the side of the Alliance of American Football. And, and who knows if the AAF ever makes it public, if Johnny ever makes it public, if the Alouettes or the CFL ever make it public. You know, we might never know exactly um, what it was in his contract that he violated. There are a lot of opinions and a lot of theories out there, and we can and we can guess at a lot of things. Um, but it's probably not good, and it's probably related somewhere in his personal life. Now, again, you can dig through his personal life and make a lot of assumptions or guesses about that. We won't go into all that on the podcast. Um, but because of that, I think there are people, and I'm speaking mostly non-football people, but also part of that kind of casual fan mm-hmm. that you want to try to attract in each of your markets. I think there are people that would be very disappointed with the AAF for sending a guy like Johnny Menzel. And that's probably why you're seeing San Antonio shuffle, shuffle his feet so much. Yeah, I, we'll see what happens. But I, I think you're right, Sean. There is that there is that concern that yes, if something were to go down, it really would hurt the league. I mean, this is this is a league that hasn't been afraid in the past. They offered a contract to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, but they offered a, twenty million. They offered a contract to Tim Tebow. Yep. Both of them were making more money than the Alliance could offer them. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Tebow with his uh, New York Mets minor league contract. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're not afraid necessarily to kind of step outside the bounds and bring in guys who are quote unquote unpopular. Yeah. Um, but it's their reasons for being unpopular that I think they need to tread very very lightly with this particular potential signing. And this is just my this is my thought, Sean. But if the alliance doesn't move on Manziel and sign him this year, I'm going to guarantee he's in the XFL next year. Could be. That's just my thought. They're a full year away from launch date. It's entirely possible. That's just me. All right, Sean, let's move on to some other comments here. We don't have a ton of time, but uh, Ben Kirchival also said that uh, in terms of this press conference or this this media call, um, regarding the AAF in 2020, expansion is, quote, not on the front burner for the league. Recruiting players and replenishing talent is. And I think that is the exact right thing they need to do. Don't worry about expanding at this point. Continue to build the brand of this league and the talent base that this league has to draw on because you're going to see a number of guys get opportunities to jump up to the NFL this year and you need to be able to restock what you have with players who are as good or maybe a little bit better. Yeah, part of the reason why why TV ratings are so good with this product, the Alliance of America and the Alliance of American Football, is just for that exact reason. These are guys who really aren't that far from the fringes or the periphery of the NFL. Um, that's what you want in this league. The more teams and the more franchises that exist, the more peripheral, I guess, if that's the right word. On the periphery? Yeah, that you might see from players in this league. Yeah. Um, the AAF doesn't want that. 
quite, no, quite frankly. They want they want people who are right there, who are borderline NFL talent, or in some cases are clearly NFL talent. Guys like uh, Sterling Gilbert, who who should be or Sterling. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert. Who, who should be in the league, um, for example, guys like like uh, maybe Joel Buonio, who I think could probably earn oh, yeah. himself a contract. Carter Schultz, in my mind, is an NFL yeah. guy. I mean, they they want guys like that who are right there on the fringe of being mm-hmm. back in the NFL, not guys who not only flamed out from the National Football League, but never really came very close to making it. And if you expand to ten or twelve or fourteen franchises, like some people are guessing, um, that could be exactly what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Sean, so an additional point kind of on this point is a lot of people wonder about, okay, well, what about the stability of the league? Well, Bill Polian on this call, Ben Kirchhoff tweeted out, said the $250 million investment from Tom Dundon has given the AAF about four years of stability in his mind. That's a good sign. If that's legitimately, if you think they've got four years with that investment, that influx of cash that Dundon threw into this league, that's a good sign for the league. And that's probably at least three probably more like four years where they're not really talking expansion yeah exactly so we'll see what happens there all right sean the final note here i wanted to talk about and we'll we'll go out on this is that in terms of a lot of people wonder okay if this is going to truly be a developmental league are they going to allow nfl players speaking of the national football league allow players on rosters to come down get that development with the aaf and then rejoin their teams in the nfl well bill polian um, talked about that and he says um, that the possibility of nfl quarterbacks and offensive linemen coming down to the AAF to get more development said quote talks are quote ramping up but nothing formal lots of quote procedural hurdles to make that happen the example I get apparently used on this call was QB Mason Rudolph the former Oklahoma State star who was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers if he were able to come down to an alliance of American football team and play for that team getting that experience in the spring etc before rejoining the Steelers that summer and then in addition a point here from Ben Kirchhoff said that Polian points or notes that players in the league have to agree through collective bargaining for players to be able to come down from the NFL to the Alliance and then go back up. He says something could happen quote sooner rather than later. He hopes something could happen quote sooner rather than later. However, he notes that the league and unions usually do not move very swiftly. No, uh, they're about as swift as the hallowed halls of Congress. Yeah, they and we're talking about two adversarial um, parties, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They're just two parties that serve different interests, and they go head to head on a lot of different things. This is just one other one for them to battle over. So, I'm interested to see where that shakes out. Ultimately, I would like to see it eventually become a league where, yes, NFL guys who are maybe practice squad or third stringers, etc., on their NFL team get that opportunity in the spring to come down and play for an alliance team, get additional experience, but then rejoin their team in the summer during OTAs and on into training camp and hopefully it pays off and we see those players contributing in the NFL and that only builds what this league can really become. I 100% agree. I I don't really have much else to add other than that. I mean, if you want... If you you truly want this to be a a developmental league, then I I think you need to kind of set parameters on that development. They do. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Well, we will sign off for now. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the games this weekend. A reminder, Monday or or Tuesday, whenever we get our next podcast out, it will be our midseason review 
handing out midseason awards. If you want to weigh in on that, feel free to tweet at us at wild underscore stallions. The stallions is S T A L L Y N S. The way God intended to spell it. Absolutely. Let us know what you think in terms of MVP, defensive player of the year, team of the half year, whatever you got for a midseason awards. We're happy to hand them out. Maybe we'll do like a wooden spoon for the worst team or whatever. We'll figure something out. We got to figure out something to do with that as well. We'll have some fun with it, but feel free to weigh in. We'd love to have you guys interacting with us. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. If you need more space, more more characters than a tweet, we're also on Facebook, uh-huh. facebook.com slash wildstallions, stallions with a Y. Uh, no underscore there. Or go ahead and leave us a comment via our iTunes page. Yeah. Uh, Wild Stallions podcast on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. Let us know kind of some of your thoughts on the first half of the Alliance of American Football. Uh, our favorite ones, our best ones, we'll definitely read those ones on air as we're handing out those awards. Absolutely, we will do it. So until then, have a great day. And remember, strange things are afoot in the Alliance. Be excellent to each other. And party on!